hello, Ed. Yo, how's it going? It's it's quarter to nine in the on Thursday evening as we record this, and uh, I'm crawling towards the end of the week. How are you doing? All good. Yeah, spent the week on video um, conferencing apps that either don't work or steal all your data and give them to the various governments or have major security <laughs> flaws which are now being exploited by by every hacker on the planet. So it's been tops. Excellent. Uh, you are uh, we were talking about this before we started recording but so we have like a video chat going while we while we do this and you are remarkably well lit at the moment which is a new this is a new development since you've been working from home. Yes, I'd like to look my best on uh, video conferencing so I've shifted spotlights over to my desk. It's working for you. It really is. Um mm. all right. Talking of working for you, uh, uh, halftime team talk worked pretty dramatically well in the game that we're going to talk about today. And um, would you like to recreate it? <laughs> my favourite bit of um, the coverage that I read around this game, uh, doing the prep for the show, was uh, a byline-free article in the Guardian. Where it said every boy's dream is to play for Manchester United. However, not many would have wanted to at halftime in this game, <laughs> which is like. Being in that dressing room must have been very difficult, I imagine. I'm my God, United were atrocious in the first half of this game. I do, I do encourage everyone to go find it and watch the full game uh, because it's absolutely remarkable. Two, two things, really, just how bad United were defensively, but all over the pitch, the lack of intensity in particular during that first half, and how little it took for Tottenham to completely melt in the second half. But we'll get to the details, but those are my two big takeaways. So anyway, what's the context for this game? It's the 2001-2002 season. Not a good season for Manchester United. Not a great season. It, United started the season atrociously. <laughs> uh, six defeats before Christmas in the league alone, as well as going out in the League Cup. Uh, a very heavy defeat to Arsenal, that one. Um, and uh, it's it, it, I can't remember exactly what time, but it's this season. I'm right in saying that Fergie announced he was going to retire. That's right? the the key bit of context to set this game in. Is this is in the middle of all of that? So Fergie has said he's retiring at the end of the season. This is going to be his last campaign in charge. And basically, it's about. Uh, but you could just like look through the list of fixtures. When we start winning again, that's when he's changed his mind and decides he's going to stay. Because United really start to fall apart in in. I'm going to mention chilling premonitions a lot in this episode. And this season was definitely a chilling premonition of what would happen to United post-Ferguson. Um, we'd we'd like been fine at home, scoring hatfuls of goals. but uh, So the commentary we watched was MUTV commentary. And they pointed out that United had one away win in 14 games in all competitions going into this. Which is absolutely amazing. So it's, it's the back end of September... The first season, I think it's the fourth or fifth league game. And we've comfortably won. Oh, we've just beaten, I think, Ipswich 4-0 and beat that beat Everton 4-1, I think, uh, at home. But yeah, can't buy a win away from home at this point. Right. So a couple other things that are important. I think Mike Phelan is promoted to first team coach after Steve McLaren left in the summer. I feel like he's effectively working this entire season with no assistant. Yeah. Having announced he's about to retire, all a bit odd, and also, of course, it's the season after he sold Yapstam to 
Lazio having taken umbrage at Yapsan's book and brought in 35-year-old Lauren Blanc. Oh dear, Larry White, not good in this game. My scored, really, really bad at defending. Yeah, do you think this game is a nice encapsulation of why that is one of Alex Ferguson's worst ever decisions? Because this really is... is. I mean, also interesting, like, who who's comes and goes, like, after the end of this season. Um, so, um, eventually... Uh, Stanley went the season before. Blomquist, I think, went that summer as well. Cole is about to go in uh, the January. Van de Gaal, Erwin, Johnson all go the following summer. So three of the back four are about to be dumped, I think. Um, well, Erwin and Johnson, sorry, two. two. Um, and Andy Cole, who actually has a decent game in this game. He's, excellent. he's not He's not bad, is he? So... Um, but he's about to get dumped by Fergie as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, interesting how much change is about to come to United, uh, even though Fergie's leaving, not leaving. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I guess that all that change comes when he decides to stay, doesn't it? And he's like, right, OK, well, if I'm going to stay, we're going to have to refresh things. And you can see that there are things that need to be refreshed. You know, we'll talk about Cole, I guess, a little bit later in the show. We talked about him a lot on the bonus content last week. Um but the this it's interesting because this game sort of hints at the potential of a very promising partnership between Van Nistelrooy and Cole, which never really got to flourish. But they feed off each other really quite well, and and I, I it definitely could have worked that could have done. I mean, it's a it's a very last of the two up front era, isn't it? So it's it's not that long after this that uh, teams stop playing two up front altogether, basically. I, I'm trying to think, when did Ferguson completely quit playing two up front? Um, Pretty maybe soon a few after years, this. Yeah. Um, so in the team, we've got, we got Barthez in goal. He, I guess he's got 18 months left before he's dumped. Neville, Irwin, Johnson, Blanc, Beckham, Butts, goals. No Keen, I guess he's injured. They talk about him in the, um, in the commentary, don't they? Veron. Colin Van Nistelrooy. So, you know, it's it's not a bad team by well, any means. It's a it's a really stupid team, isn't it? I think that's the that's the thing because so Dennis Irwin is definitely past his prime by this point. Laurent Blanc is like looking at his prime as it, it he's desperately hoping it's closer than it appears in the mirror, yeah, but right. it's not. Um and he's playing Beckham, Butt, Veron and Skulls across the middle. Like I know he had a bit of a reputation for trying to squeeze Veron in in formations that didn't really make sense. But it turns out it's not just England managers that tried to play Paul Scholes on the left. The England manager at the time was watching this game and how he didn't go, oh my God, we must never, ever play Paul Scholes on the <laughs> left is a mystery. Yeah. Well, actually, one of the, the big changes, of course, is, is in the second half, Scholes comes into the middle of the park, uh, which certainly helps. Um, <laughs> but that's not the big problem in the first half. I mean, Butts there to provide some protection, but it's just the defending, basic, basic defending uh, that causes uh, United so, so many problems. I mean, even before Dean Richards scores 15 minutes in from uh, from a corner, United uh, are looking vulnerable, aren't they? Yeah, so um, I was just surprised by how much of the ball they had at the very early phase of this game, because... I remembered it being just an abysmal first half, which it definitely is. But there are. Oh, it's really messy. Yeah. And the the, the messy bit is sort of um, 
is best summed up by uh, the, the bit where Veron tries to goes to pass it to Skulls, who's right inside, and Skulls is literally turning and running away from him as he's playing the pass, and they just are so massively not on the same page. Notable that the MUTV commentators, who will feature a lot in my coverage of this game, did not even mention that that mispass had happened. I, I, I think, I genuinely think this has stopped happening to the extent that it used to, but this is Pravda. I mentioned <laughs> yeah, chilling, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> chilling premonitions of the future. Paddy Creran's performance in this is full-blown Trump truth denial. Like this, no. oh my god oh my god i think it's more like he's uh he's like uh he's like scott from republic of mankinia isn't he you know he's <laughs> full red tinted glasses all the time and and in a great way no so, no I, I i he paddy crowland obviously annoyed you in this game i'm oh like my god. yeah i mean yes he's definitely truth denying the earth is flat and <laughs> and you know he can do absolutely no wrong and the referee's evil uh, but it's uh, it's magnificent. I was going to say you've done Scott a profound disservice by comparing him <laughs> to this. Because all right, so <laughs> I'm I'm saying he's uh, you know he's a happy United warrior. That's what I'm saying. Um, Paddy Querend is absolutely outraged that Nicky Butt is booked for a high boot. Then the commentator who plays it pretty straight most of the time. I'm sorry I didn't catch his name. Um, he clarifies, oh, I think the referee's booked him for dissent, Paddy. And um, Paddy Creran says, and this is a quote, it's no wonder players dissent when both of them have got a high foot and one of them gets booked for it. He didn't get booked for it. He got booked for the dissent. You, you're imagining that it's a reasonable for him to dissent for a booking that he got for the dissent. This is, this is like, no, actually, there were loads more people there than it looks like in the pictures. Yeah, but to, to be fair, Stuart Gardner corrects. No, it's not. It's not, it's not. Stuart. all the time now. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But this was uh, honestly. I right, anyway. We'll, we'll, we'll. There's so many. I've written so many notes. I'm just like getting more and more frustrated as the game goes on. So uh, the, the Spurs goal. Then, um, I mean, it's a very well worked corner. It's a brilliant corner from Ziga. It comes in at real pace, and it's. It's kind of fired in low and their new signing, their new £8 million signing, Dean Richards, um, runs in ahead of Van Nistelrooy and uh, kind of scoops down and heads it in. I mean, it's some shocking defending, though. It, it's zonal. And, um, I mean, he gets ahead of Van Nistelrooy, but that's not his zone. The zone, the zone is, is Laurent Blanc's, who's just stood there like a statue, just completely frozen in time as Dean Richards, Richards heads in the easiest goal. Yeah. So bad. It's so bad. It's, but the thing is, not even close to being the worst of the three that United concede because that second goal where Lauren Blanc could have very much benefited the team by standing there like a statue rather than running away from play as fast as he could to play a, the most belated offside trap you'll ever see. That doesn't come much later. So United are, are somewhat dangerous in attack after this. There's a moment where Veron blasts over and they are working openings. And I think um, I think watching this with 2020 eyes made me kind of overestimate United's attacking potency in the first half. Because that's about as potent as United ever look in attack now. 
But then you see the second half, you're like, oh, no, 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 that's what it actually looks like when United opponent in the attack. All right, yeah. I mean, look, um, it's not that bad going forward. They do create some some chances. Varane, long-range shot, some nice Van Nistelrooy play. Van, rude Van Nistelrooy play. Let's get it out of my mouth, Ed. Um, I, I did uh, enjoy, um, I don't know why I enjoyed this quite so much, but Ziga absolutely annihilates Gary Neville at one point. I just... <laughs> I mean, I don't think he gets booked for it either, which sends Paddy Curran around the wall. Yeah, um, and in Paddy's which, defense, which is great. there are some very questionable refereeing decisions in this game. And if you... Oh, it's really testy, this game. I mean, there's handbags um, just after Spurs score their second, uh, a lot of pushing. But throughout the game, there's a... I mean, it's played at a terrific pace all the way through. And it's pretty messy and scrappy and there's a lot of tackles going in and they all like a bit of a tackle, don't they? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, enjoyed some of that. Gary Neville didn't enjoy taking having his ankles taken out there. No. Um, the uh, Spurs then kind of mount some pressure, but it's sort of like kind of milk toast. It's kind of like, it's not particularly sustained intense pressure, but it's enough. And just, I've just written the word awful four times uh, from Lauren Blanc, who tries to play an offside that isn't even nearly on. So he spins off Les Ferdinand like he's spinning off the shoulder of the last defender. It's the <laughs> weirdest thing I've ever seen a, a defender do, I think. Um, well, he's trying to play offside. It's just <laughs> his brain and his feet are not in sync at all. He's like, I've got to play offside. Yeah. And the gears start slowly cranking and the steam train starts moving and Luis Ferdinand's passed him and scored. Fine finish, by the way, but uh, just brilliant. an awful, awful defending to allow him through. The um, like the fact that this is like such a... The weird kind of um, glorious chinks in Fergie's armour where like he decided a really long time ago, I've always wanted to sign Laurent Blanc. And then it's like... Literally, probably like eight years too late, and he's like, "Ah, oh, finally, I get my man. I always get my man in the end, even if he's absolutely no use by the time I get him." And it was, I mean, it is hilarious to watch that. I watched it about three times and couldn't stop laughing because, I mean, obviously he's like an absolutely brilliant player in his day, Laurent Blanc. Like I said, I've never, ever, ever seen someone try to play offside in that fashion where it literally looks like he's trying to spin off the striker rather than the other way around. Yeah, it's probably bad. I mean, look, part of the thing with Laurent Blanc, yes, maybe he always wanted him, but he just had a fitter peak with Yapstam. He got embarrassed by Yapstam. He was like, not not for the first or the last time, Fergie did what was right for him over and above the club. He's obviously got a massive bank of credit, so he's kind of allowed to do that in most occasions, most occasions. This is one of the ones that backfired on him badly. So he, he Yapstan was sold so late that United probably didn't have any other options. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Lauren Bonk was available, but it, uh, it certainly messed with the first half of the season, no doubt. And one of the things, I mean, I said uh, earlier that Skull's they made a switch in the second half. It was earlier than next, of course. Nicky Butt got injured and came off uh, Solskjaer in the... He didn't get injured. <laughs> You're he's, shaking your head. He's, he's not injured. He's not injured. He's just, I think he's just catching his breath. 
like, it'll be all right. It'll be fine. And he spends three full minutes laid flat out from being elbowed in the ribs. Like, oh, no, he's going to be fine. And then, like, actually, he's literally dead. And only Gunnar Solskjaer comes on. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether I was influenced by Paddy here because I I write 40, Solskjaer on for butt, who's injured, dot, dot, dot. Bit of a tactical question mark. (laughs) So anyway, I mean, he he does switch because he goes to three through the the middle of the park for Ron Scholes and uh, Beckham. (laughs) What a three that is. (laughs) Like a tackle. Not a good one, like a tackle. (laughs) Uh, And three out front with sort of Solskjaer off the left and and Van Nistelrooy and Cole. But it's, uh, it's, yeah, interesting. It works, obviously, in the second half, but it's a mega gamble. Yes, uh, what? A very, very asymmetric 4-3-3. Like, that's... Yeah, he's ahead of his time, is Fergie. Um, then then I'm with Paddy on the decision to book Dennis Irwin, which leaves Dennis Irwin saying to the ref six or seven times in a, in a relatively measured tone, <laughs> what is it for, for ref? <laughs> What's it for? Because he does absolutely nothing. I mean, I guess when he stands up, he pushes Poye away from being right in his space. And maybe you could say that's a booking, but Poye hacks Erwin down, dives and rolls around. <laughs> and then the ref's like, oh, I'll book them both. That seems fair. After like Poye has a go at Erwin for being kicked by him. That's some... some. It's uh, it's uh, it's one of those ones where the referee hasn't really seen it and, and just guessed. And, yeah. and uh, the cop-out decision is to book everyone. Uh, <laughs> There's um, there's a there's a free kick given away by Laurent Blanc shortly after that, and and uh, maybe the first sighting we get of uh, Teddy Sheringham. That's a quite recently returned to Spurs from. I mean, he'd, he'd obviously been involved before that, but uh, he he uh, he takes a free kick, smacks it into the wall. Uh, was that the summer he'd gone back to Spurs? Or yeah, because he doesn't leave after the treble, does he? He's there for another because no, no, he's player yeah. of the year or top goal scorer, I think, in the year after the treble. Um, and then they want to. He wants a two-year contract. They only want to give him a one-year contract. He goes back to Spurs, uh, and because in those days United wouldn't give a player over thirty more than a one-year contract. Now, now they give him three-year <laughs> contracts with an option for seventy-five more. join the no question about that podcast we are open for sponsorship so if uh, you run the kind of business that would be interested in sponsoring our show just drop us an email at nqatpod at gmail.com and then comes a very 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 nice bit of football from spurs where they're obviously like feeling their oats and there's lots of nice one touch passing and they're stroking it about and, and flicks and tricks and then oh my god Poirier is found on the left and somehow Ziga is so free. So first of all, like the ball to Poirier, there's no pressure. There's no defensive cover. You can see why Fergie takes Irwin. That's the only change he makes at halftime as he takes Irwin off and replaces him with Sylvester. Poirier has the freedom of White Hart Lane to put in a cross. And fortunately for him, his mate at the back post, Ziga has the freedom of the other side as Gary Neville's come inside to kind of cover Ferdinand, but no one is even slightly picking up the runner and he just nods it home from nowhere out. Let's count how many mistakes they made. Yeah, Poy is on the right wing, not his place. Cuts in to his left foot. Silvestre is still leaving him 10 yards. No, just chips the ball across. Silvestre isn't on by this point. It's still is he not on? Half. No, he comes on oh, the first time. half. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Irwin. Okay. 
Yeah, it's, yes. easy, it's easier to have a yes. go at Sylvester, isn't it? Feels trips off the tongue's not so nice doing it to Denisso, and I don't feel exactly, good about yeah. it. Classic French, not not working hard enough. Yeah. Um, so yes, Irwin's not close to him. <laughs> back back end of Dennis Irwin's career, very much so. Yeah, he's released in the summer following this, but does he play on after this? Yeah, yeah, he played for Wolves for two seasons. He played, they got yeah, promoted. Yeah, that's right, he does. Yeah, they they won the championship, I think, and then he had a season in the Premier League after that. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so easy, and then yeah, Gary Neville's all all in the wrong place covering. Uh, just, just awful. Three awful goals. For the United, I mean, and I can't believe Fergie only made the one change at halftime. Yeah. He'd have probably made six if he could have. The funny thing about it is, in a way, like very much with hindsight, you can see the second half coming because actually they just gave away three really stupid goals and didn't quite have the intensity and the they weren't quite on it going forward. But you, it's not hard to imagine that's. I mean. It, it is hard to imagine that second half coming after the first half, but you can see how it did come. Cut out the stupid mistakes and just turn up the dial on your quality. Make that one little tactical change um, or just kind of like continue the tactical change that's been made late in the in the first half, embed it and, and live in terrible paranoid fear of what Fergie's going to do to all of them at full time if it doesn't work out. Right, and and the, the goal comes right after half time as well, which... Which you know, alongside the hairdryer, gives everyone some confidence, and it's a really nice goal. I mean, it's Beckham overlap from Neville. We've seen that a few times, haven't we? Lovely ball in. You forget how good a crosser Beckham um, Beckham <laughs> Neville became. Maybe, yeah. I don't know whether this point in his career he he was really pinging them in, but this is getting when it's starting. I'd say, yeah, and and a fine header from Andy Cole to score. That's a brilliant header, isn't it? Because he sort of dives, he has to dive diagonally and knock the ball back across himself. But it's, yeah, it's lovely. The weight on the little rollout to the overlap is perfect from Beckham. And, and Gary Neville's sort of Beckham-esque form uh, on the cross and, and right. Cole's movement and header. And, and you can feel the, the atmosphere change pretty quickly. Oh, completely. First 10 minutes of that second half, United completely on top. And it's just, they just moved 10 yards further forward and just retaining the ball as well. I mean, it's still a bit of a messy game at this point, but but just, you know, much more intensity. United going about their business and, and Spurs suddenly sink into their shell. And we don't see them again until United are 4-3 up when they had about five minutes of pressure. Basically, I mean, just after that goal, there's the one where they they knock a long ball and Sylvester sort of falls over and a corner's given. And I didn't see a replay, but Paddy, Paddy Crerand does not believe it should have been a corner. So that clearly proves that it, it couldn't have been. But I've just written, oh, Sylvester is so bad. Like he falls over twice and it's a very wet pitch and you can see why. But he's he does fall over twice. He also puts in a really nice cross, it should be said. But yeah, talking of really nice crosses... A lovely, lovely, lovely David Beckham corner. Um, and then <clears throat> Laurent scores from point blank range. <clears throat> it's actually about six yards out. Out of here. Out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's about six yards out. Uh, I mean, completely unmarked. First goal for the club. A towering header, it's fair to say. I believe it might have been his only goal for the club as well. Some, somewhere yeah, uh, a minute after that, 
Andy Cole puts in a, just a dreadful tackle on It's only because he couldn't stop himself on the wet surface. That's the only yeah. reason it happens. <laughs> it's oh, just brilliant reaction. <laughs> just <laughs> complete denial of what is probably a red card these days. <laughs> like Andy Cole's le- is, is um, not the leg that's on the ground. The leg that's in the air is knee high. It's His leg isn't knee high because of the ground being a bit wet, Paddy. Absolutely unbelievable um, post-truthism, or I guess pre-truthism, <laughs> no-truthism. Uh, there was a, another moment offering a chilling vision of the future where it cuts to the United crowd, um, and you see a One Love FC, not PLC banner, and it kind of broke my heart a little bit, because... Yeah. Well, they uh, they got their wish there. Uh, unfortunately, a different club. <laughs> it was after the Glazers uh, to the uh, club private. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and and FC went somewhere else, I guess. Yeah. Uh, United fans make a lot of noise, right? And we know United away fans make a lot of noise, and they do kind of take over the noise. But the Spurs fans rally a bit, and there's a, like a, a a ground wide chant of um, "Come on, you Spurs." To which Paddy replied, all the noise in the stadium's coming from the United fans. Are we singing, come on, you Spurs, Paddy? Is that is that what's happening? Honestly. He's just doing his job, which is... Uh, in MUTV's never really changed. It's still complete denial of of uh, any kind of reality other than United is the greatest thing ever and everything is perfect. It's, it's that, it's, it's everything is awesome, yeah. right? The Lego movie song, yeah? That's just... <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I actually is... had another one before they did actually get level. Ronnie Johnson in his uh, final campaign for the club. Um, another heading... brilliant, another brilliant David Beckham corner. Like... Another great corner, free header, should have scored. Um, and then, and then Van Nistelrooy makes it three all. Oh, well, great cross from Silvestro, who you were who you were laying into shortly, uh, you know, short time ago. But, but uh, you know, that, fine ball from him. There was a little bit of a gap, um, and and Beckham cut inside and shoots. Uh, and that I, I was saying before we started recording, I wrote a note here that that it really reminded me of the Greece game, the the famous England uh, World Cup qualifier. And then later on, I read that uh, this was the week before that game. So he was capped. David Beckham was the first time he ever captained United this game. Yeah, um, that's right. And you can see him doing absolutely everything. You know, he's got this relationship with his Tottenham because his granddad's a big Spurs fan. Um, and he's doing absolutely everything he can to try and win the game, just like he did uh, for England a week later when it really was all down to him. In this game, he had a lot more quality around him. Um, Ziga and Sheringham nearly open United up, but Ziga hits Sheringham with the shot. Uh, and then, uh, the, like you said, the beautiful cross from Mikel Silvestra. And I think his fourth Premier League goal, Rude Van Nistelrooy's fourth Premier League goal. There were quite a lot more to come. Uh, yes, he would finish the season with 23 goals in the league and 36 overall. Decent debut campaign. Considering we didn't win anything as well. It's kind of amazing. Um, the uh, there's an absolutely unbelievable cross from David Beckham where Andy Cole's wrongly given offside and he basically breaks the offside trap almost perfectly, but he's given offside and then he heads it against the post. Cole does, but the ball from Beckham is just oh, it's just a, it, Beckham's performance 
start to finish of this second half is absolutely dreamy. And then potentially the best goal of the game. Uh, United's fourth to four three up, complete the comeback. Hundred uh, percent. What a comeback it was! Four in thirty minutes in this in this second half. Uh, and it's just a lovely move. Skulls just absolutely leathers it into Ollie, who somehow manages to to touch it off to Varon. I'm assuming he was trying to touch it off. If it had been an, another player, I might have thought it was a heavy first touch, but he just kind of lays it off and then uh, just stroked in by Varon. You wonder why he didn't score more goals at United and why he wasn't successful? Because he's very good in this second half. I mean, it is the Beckham show, but he uh, he. He shows so much quality in terms of his passing. He gets around the pitch and just a brilliant finish. Yeah, that that goal is definitely my favourite of the four. It starts again with Beckham with a beautiful crossfield ball to Sylvester, who does a, a fine job sort of tapping it inside to Scolzi. Um, the like you say, like Scolz pings it in, and Ollie Ollie takes the pace off it, just like world class bit of layoff from Ollie and, and Verona's. Front's finish is, is lovely and it, it is the pick of the game. Um the pick of the goals from the game. And then there's one more chance. Ollie and Rude carve Spurs open. Ollie Ollie passes when he probably should have shot. And then Beckham like thoroughly deserved his goal and what a strike it was. Just pure a really pure hit for the fifth. Just very Beckham, and, isn't it? Just yeah. absolutely threads the needle for a start, not too many spaces to shoot at, and then just hits it really cleanly. Lovely. Such a shame. Yeah. Every time I watch Beckham in these retro retro games, what a shame. He should have finished his career at United alongside Neville and Skulls and Butt. Not Butt. But? Not Butt. No. <laughs> Neville and Skulls <laughs> and Giggs. And and Giggs, who's not, I guess, must have been injured because like, that's why Fergie's scrambling around to find someone to play on the left. It's, um, it's a great second-half performance and it, it shows the kind of the unbelievable quality, but also the the spirit of that team. Um, and it is a sort of transition period. The rest of the season is is a weird one. United lose a lot of games, like you said, between between this game and Christmas. It doesn't it doesn't kickstart the season in the way that you think a performance like that might. In fact, it's more like the second half sort of covered over papered over some of the cracks that were well more than cracks really in the in the defence. Yeah, gaping holes. Well, which, yeah. which also called Larry Blanc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then we got all the way to the Champions League semi-final. And I remember this one yeah, being one a- of the most disappointing. Absolutely gutted because, you know, Leverkusen weren't a great side. No. I mean, Real Madrid, who won it with that Zidane volley in the final. They yeah. were a pretty good side, but Leverkusen yeah, weren't. Yeah, they were. United should have made this final. It was, yeah, just a huge disappointment. And it was, so we drew two all in the home leg and then could only manage a one-all draw away very fine margins and it it was interesting because I think um because of 99 sort of expected to win that in a way like because that and it, it was very reminiscent of those sort of late period like pre-99 semi-finals um but you know there was the whole thing about like Fergie was kind of had had done a U-turn on his retirement and the final was going to be at Hamden and it all felt quite written in the starsy, but turns out it was not at all written in the stars. Um, but what was was a remarkable comeback against Tottenham Hotspur, and I absolutely thoroughly, 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 thoroughly enjoyed this. It did leave me a little bit like, oh, 
United were so good then. <laughs> like, when they turned it on, they were so good. And it's been a while since they were that good. It has, sadly. Um, and it's going to be a while until we're that good again. <laughs> Could be it's a while till we're, we're anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Yeah, we didn't we didn't start the show with um, the usual recap of what's happening in football, but nothing much is happening in football at all, except for a row over. Um, I did wonder how long this would take. How much footballers make versus um, uh, ordinary people, and uh, at a time when many many people, a million people, last month claimed unemployment. Uh, which is pretty shocking, um, jumping unemployment. And, and at that time, footballers throughout the land are happily Instagramming for their 50 grand a week or whatever it is. So, yes, it, it wow. wasn't a surprise to me this week that uh, that uh, the papers and pundits and politicians have turned on them. I suspect what is happening is behind the scenes there's a negotiation with the Premier League and, and the PFA to trying to come to some kind of collective agreement around uh, furloughing, uh, sorry, uh, like deferring some wages. Because it's definitely not a good look, is it? Clubs laying off staff um, and, um, and uh, players not playing for many millions. Mm. Yeah, it's a very difficult situation all round. Um, and United found themselves in a difficult situation in this Tottenham game as they did in the game that we're going to cover next, which I'm very excited about. We're going even further back in time, um, although not to pre-Premier League. We will get there eventually. I don't believe it exists, uh, does it? <laughs> Well, the thing is, like you were saying, people are at some point going to say football did exist before 1992, you know, and that's true. But we didn't win the league for a really long time. And because we haven't won the league for a long time, I'm enjoying watching us be really, really, really good. And let's just let this continue for a little bit longer uh, before we get into some, you know, some we we have kind of picked out some games that we're going to do from further back in the past, both glorious, triumphant eras and not so much. Um, but this one is from a very fine season, uh, the second ever Premier League season, 1993-94. This was recommended uh, by a listener on Instagram and uh, fortunately was able to find a copy of the game. Oh, it looks like we've been able to find a copy of the game. And it is Manchester City 2, Manchester United 3. Oh. Um from uh, the 7th of November 1993, although that's from Football Allier and their their dates are sometimes wrong. Yeah, yeah um, well, um, I, I remember thoroughly enjoying this game. So I haven't seen it since, I don't think, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it. This is also a really good game uh, for the status quo song. I, I have a feeling, actually, you know what? I think I'm pretty sure I was at this game, in fact. Uh, nice. Yeah, because the um, the uh, uh, main road, the old main road main stand, we'd got tickets, a few of us in there. Yeah. Well, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you for, you have a little think about some anecdotal recollections of that, because I'm going to ask you, because this is like literally Schmeichel, Pallister, Schmeichel Parker, Pallister, Owen, Bruce, Sharp and Ince, Hughes, not McClare, but Keane and Cantona, and then uh, no Robson. But some Kanchalskis and no gigs. So it's very, very status quo. Come on, you Reds. Um, I'm looking forward to this one uh, and we'll be back to talk about that. We're going to record it on Sunday and put it out on Monday. 
as well as probably take some listener questions, I guess, on that show. But for now, um, everybody, please do stay safe and stay well and look after yourselves, look after the people that you can look after. Um, and uh, we'll see you next time. We will uh, enjoy all the retro stuff. We've got lots of nice comments about um, on both Instagram and Twitter about our retro feed. So while there's no actual football, we'll go back in time and enjoy a time when we were good. Yeah, a lot, a lot fewer people are listening to podcasts generally, including ours, but a lot more people are saying that they really appreciate it. So that's really nice. It's always really nice to hear. Um, so thanks to everyone that's reached out and let us know they appreciate it. And we'll keep it coming. Bye now. Oh,